Hi, and welcome to The Stripping Scholar, a podcast with me, Fräulein Frauke. Here I talk with very specially invited guests about burlesque as an artistic practice and explore concepts around sexuality on stage. All right, I am super happy to welcome Chris Harder. Uh, you are a New York City-based burlesque performer and MC, as well as a playwright and PhD candidate in the theater and performance study program at the CUNY Graduate Center. Your plays are glittery, gritty, and inspired by striptease and nightlife. As a burlesque performer and MC, you perform regularly in New York, including in your own monthly queer variety show, Late Night Cravings. You're also a headlining performer throughout US, Europe and New Zealand. Uh, and we have had the pleasure of having you at our shows, both Fräulein Frauke Presents and headlining the Stockholm Burlesque Festival. It is so nice to see you again. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me today. Oh, it's such a, it's so nice to see you. Um, and I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Wonderful. We want to have a quite loose and open discussion, but our overall theme of the day is a boylesque. Uh, and this is what Wikipedia has to say about the term. <laughs> um, okay. Neo-burlesque shows that feature male body roles have been dubbed as boylesque. The introduction of boylesque elements can be seen as a key difference between neo-burlesque and earlier exclusively female body forms of burlesque, which sometimes incorporated drag queen roles, but did not directly represent masculinity. Boylesque within the neo-burlesque scene can be traced back to the early 1980s with performers like John Sex. So boylesque did not have its own like Wikipedia entry. So this is just a short text that was found under neo-burlesque but yeah. i'm curious like what what are your your thoughts on boylesque yes where to start at the i think at the simplest definition of it boylesque for a lot of the time that i've been doing it has always just meant male or you know male identified performance form of female burlesque um i i think that definition And what you just said is interesting, though, because it also feels uh, in line with something that I thought about for a long time, too, that boylesque is uh, in many ways kind of a new performance form without a history or or a direct line to a history. And the way that I think that neo-burlesque very much has a legacy um, and a history to it, you know, especially in America, I think while boylesque and i think the way that i practice boylesque and maybe other people that i work with tends to be you know quote unquote male burlesque i think it does draw from drag from performance art from puppetry from a lot of different forms modern dance go-go dancing sex work so i think it's all those things and more in in the similar in a way that i think neo burlesque is so many things too mm. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I was noticing in your bio that you sent me that you are using uh, the word burlesque, uh, like you're a burlesque performer. And I not to say there's anything wrong to, mm -hmm. to use the term boylesque, but I, I, I kind of clocked it. And I think it is 
I quite like that, you know, that we are all kind of burlesque performers. And to me, the term boylesque is is really fun and campy and works really well in terms of like show production, maybe. Or, you know, like because mm-hmm. especially for a festival, like we do a burlesque festival and that's what it is. And then you want to use many words to describe that, you know, like boylesque is one thing we do and we do queerlesque and kinklesque, you know, you can kind of use it. But I have always seen it within the umbrella of neo-burlesque, like this was framed at, and as you are kind of pointing out, that it is equal in the sense of like, we are all burlesque performers, and then we do stuff under that umbrella. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I've also kind of always thought of myself as a burlesque performer. I think where, you know, it might be helpful to start thinking about it as a a different or as like a complementary form to female or female performative burlesque is, you know, when we start thinking about how gender is performed on stage and, um, and also, you know, how sensuality is performed on stage in that way too. And again, that is so individual, but I'm glad you mentioned the production aspect of it too, because I think it's the difference of saying, ooh, there's a boylesque show along with the burlesque dancers tonight. Or, you know, it's like looking at the Las Vegas Burlesque Hall of Fame, which up until this year actually had best boylesque category that uh, in a way it's a marketing tool. You know, it's both a performance form and it has like, it's embedded in that. But yeah, it's certainly used to get butts and seats too i think yeah kind of explain also just explain because so many is like oh what is what you know especially when you come new to a, as an audience to a scene it's voice <laughs> it's informative but in a because burlesque and and i think variety and cabaret overall has always been so good at kind of using fun language sure or 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 puns mm-hmm. You put also um, an interesting point that boylesque, compared to, say, female uh, identifying burlesque, doesn't have the same history. Is that something that you... Because <sighs> I can see that both as a, as a very uh, positive thing and like as a, as, you know, like, because history is, is a lot of things that are very interesting and something we take on. And of course, as a burlesque performer, you can take from that whole, whole history of sexual performances on stages. But in terms of the difference, like you were mentioning, it doesn't have the same kind of direct line of people coming before. How have you dealt with that? Yeah, well, I think um, so a couple of things. And, you know, as I have been studying more and more about burlesque, I'm actually teaching a class this semester about burlesque. In a way, it's intro to burlesque, but it's also an introduction to burlesque on screen and how our burlesque aesthetic has influenced, you know, American films from like the mid 20th century to the present. Um, That's fantastic. All that, yeah, it's really exciting. And I'm learning a lot. But as I'm learning a lot, I'm realizing how much I don't know. <laughs> so, so, you know, there are there is a history of male performers, you know, back to the 19th century, as opposed to thinking of them as being classified like the like bur- female burlesque performers were, they were like auxiliary acts. Mm-hmm. I guess to just back up a little bit, when I think about my own performance form and my own aesthetic, um, you know, it's always been to kind of try to combine humor with sex and kind of flip people's expectations about what a so-called sexy, I'm using air quotes for the podcast, sexy male dancer will do when he comes on stage. Especially for those of us that were raised up on Chippendales or Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear, that there's, for me, there's always kind of like this queer aesthetic that... um kind of pokes fun at the performance of masculinity. 
So that's my approach. But I was just thinking, you know, there's this performer, Vicky Lin. I don't know if you've heard of them. They appeared in Teaserama and Varieties, which were um, burlesque exploitation films from the 1950s. And um, maybe this says something about me. I could not clock this, but they are introduced and they, you know, on screen. So they walk out, they sashay, they do their burlesque. And then it becomes pretty clear towards the end of the striptease that this performer is actually a man underneath this wig and dress. And the final reveal is them pulling off the bra and revealing that they're flat chested and pulling off the wig. I wrote about this in my um, PhD application. Uh, and it, again, not a historian. So what I could find about Vicky Lynn thus far is not a lot. So I don't know if they identified as a trans woman um, or if they eventually did, or if this was an example of, you know, the female impersonators that oftentimes uh, would perform with burlesque performers in some shows or had their own kind of burlesque drag going on. Or again, if this is like one kind of display of boylesque that is kind of like that we're piecing together through these different performance aesthetics. Yeah, nice. Interesting. I've seen those, uh, you know, the the DVDs that are, are from those like the really early kind of Tisarama. Uh, yeah. But it was a long time ago. I have to re revisit. I have to look at my notes here now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah. I'm looking at my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. One thing that you were talking about, uh, and also like you mentioned before, the question about the difference between boylesque and burlesque, and how the performance of gender is being redefined currently uh, mm -hmm. in the neo burlesque scene. This is something that we talked about beforehand in preparation for this. Do you feel like it is changing? The bigger question of like, do you feel as an experienced burlesque performer also within New York, which is a huge burlesque scene and a very rich and long, long traditional burlesque scene. Do you feel that gender is being kind of redefined in the scene? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, again, I can only speak from what I've observed thus far. I mean, I think um, I think there's performers in the greater burlesque scene that have been pushing against those like more constrictive definitions of gender um, for a long time. Um, what's unique, I think, about the burlesque community is that we are both a community and some kind of an industry. You know, we all, especially even, you know, like, the burlesque scene in Stockholm versus the burlesque community and scene in New York City versus Los Angeles and Chicago, which is to say that, like, I think we as a community kind of uh, advance the definition and kind of the the um, performance aesthetic quicker than our audiences do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great that uh, all of this is happening and we're, you know, that performers are expanding the definitions of gender on stage. And I think we also have shows when we get booked where like, I know like, oh, this number that I'm going to do is going to fit in this space. Um, and this other number is not going to fit for whatever reason, you know, and I can choose to do either or, but yes, I think it's definitely expanding and should expand. Um, and it's also, you know, meeting the, um, sometimes the opposition of audiences who aren't ready. And I think especially now it's, it's good to be pushing up against that, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. Put it very, very nicely, I think, um, also in relationship to this. Yes, it is a community and I love it for that. And, and we are, me and my partner, JP, we are uh, trying, you know, our best to kind of nurture a community, uh, of course, 
performers to performers, but m- more especially like audience, like mm-hmm. create um, this kind of queer. I don't really like the word safe space anymore. I used to use it a lot, but I'm like kind of redefining that as well. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, But maybe like a safer space or like, you know, a space Mm -hmm. that is catered to us. Um, Like in that sense of community, I think it is so important. And I totally agree with you that like, it is also like an industry. This is also my job. Um, And I get that a lot of in questions, you know, from, from people that, that is not in the community, you know, like, Mm-hmm. journalists maybe or acquaintances and and i kind of sometimes find myself in needing to defend or i'm just like i don't need to defend it because yeah sometimes i i just go go dance in my burlesque outfits at a really shitty club that isn't about like my artistic sure. like my art and i don't have a problem with you know what i mean like it's not mm-hmm. a it's not a contradiction to then also say but i feel best in queer spaces where i can really express what i do more creatively like there is this double balance between these two and i think also that can also at least i think in sweden be sometimes provocative because it is such a small scene and it's very few people Mm -hmm. that kind of make some sort of living of it so it's very easy for it to be very kind of uh purist and it should be it should be perfect all the time uh, this is a great community for, you know, say body positivity. We should all be perfect in that. And although I agree that it is a really kind of open community and it doesn't have the same, say, um, norms or, you know, pressure mm-hmm. put on it. It's also within art contemporary society. It's not just like this perfect magical space that isn't also in relation to gender, like that isn't uh, attached to other to the right. to the quote unquote real world you know but also then coming back to my question about gender i also feel like burlesque and obviously the drag scene which is closely connected in many ways is one of these forces that kind of also change the public or you know like perception yes. in society so it's like a kind of the society is moving on uh, but also like we like you say sometimes me we maybe are further ahead and Mm -hmm. and moving on society so it's like a double which is also what i think happened you know historically of these type of uh entertainment forms it's a ongoing process yeah absolutely and i mean i think at the end of the day i mean i'm always interested in the numbers that like well first of all i was gonna say that are the most entertaining to me and i also it's like well what does that mean and um (laughs) You know, I think I'm most inspired by the performers who uh, are both fearlessly unapologetic on stage for who they are and what they want to bring to it, um, and also do it in a way that is just so phenomenal from, you know, their movement to their, like, charisma, the costuming. And I, I guess I say all that because it, it can just be done in so many different ways. And um, I, I think when we study burlesque performers before the 1970s or even like the mid 20th century, a lot of those performers and a lot of those women have gone on record as saying that it wasn't necessarily about trying to make a statement or... Um, be a role model it was to literally support themselves and to you know escape poverty or abuse or whatever and again not everyone but um now i think we do have more of an opportunity as artists to you know to both be artists and make statements to both be entertainers and to push the needle forward 
um, especially when it comes in into what bodies and what presentation of bodies on stage are, you know, is so-called uns- uh, acceptable. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you were mentioning the competition Burlesque Hall of Fame. And just yeah. for the, the listeners who don't know what that is, that is um, the world's biggest kind of uh, burlesque festival and event. It's a big competition uh, that is connected to the Burlesque Hall of Fame Museum. So it's um, uh, which has a, a beautiful history of uh, a, um, a burlesque performer back in the day kind of creating uh-huh. this. So it, it has a very kind of, in my view, very legit and very beautiful history. So the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekend is is a kind of fundraiser for this um, capturing and keeping in in society uh, this legacy. Yeah, uh, you have been there performing and competing several times, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> competing and losing. <laughs> well, well, I think many people would argue it's a it's a great uh, like it's a good thing to to be invited, but. Yes. Um, but yes, this year they they kind of made the statement of that they are gonna um, because they used to have yeah like um, different mm-hmm. uh, categories like the queen of burlesque and the the kind of king of boylesque and and right. so on and now this time for the first time this year they have um, neutralized the gender uh, specificness of it. Uh, how do you what do you think about that? Like. Well, I feel like this is the I feel like this is the question where performers are like, "Am I gonna ever work again if I answer this?" But <laughs> I um, I feel like at the end of the day, I mean, a couple of things. I feel like at the end of the day, again, I think it's important to like, especially in the U.S. right now, where there's so much anti-trans and and anti-LGBTQ plus um, legislation right now, that that it's important to. Uh, be on the right side of history and to uh you know re- respect that like people are going to identify how they identify i think um and again it's not my decision to make i do think though that there is something with burlesque hall of fame right which has its own flaws as well it's an, i love very much the people and respect all the work that goes into it but, you know, it was started by Dixie Evans as a way to commemorate the women, especially that she worked with in her time. And so I can see where some people push back and say, well, you know, even like the addition of a boyless category, that it's never been about, it's never been about anyone, but these female strippers, regardless of how, of how they identified offstage or how they felt about themselves offstage, but about these these um, women who presented in a certain way on stage in a certain era, you know? Yeah. So I get that people feel like maybe some people feel like maybe something is lost there. I think at the end of the day, we just got to let it go. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and maybe I would also feel differently if um, I uh, was at a different place in my career as a performer. Like I, I'm very much still a performer and want to do that and want to travel and tour. But, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a hill that I want to die on. Yeah. Well, fair. <laughs> so yeah, how do you feel about it? Uh, I feel overall like I think that is probably a really good idea. Like we were just talking about, like this is to be kind of in the foreground of saying, like, what is gender? It, like it, it needs to be opened up. We need to acknowledge uh, that this binary system that we mm-hmm. as a society have had for so long is 
you know, problematic as best. And and especially also, like you say, I mean, politically, I think it it's uh, really I- important to to include kind of more um, voices or more people without putting labels that they mm-hmm. themselves don't like. So like, um, I have not followed, like, I'm not so in the loop in like the American discussions of this. Uh, I just saw them uh, presenting it. And overall, I think it's good. The only thing I would say as a kind of cautionary, you know, like, it's interesting because like the Berlin Film Festival did this. They 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 mm-hmm. took away the, you know, the best female <laughs> actor and mm. the best male actor, which a lot of people like, a f- like just a few years ago. So it's not it's not very long ago. Uh, and a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people got annoyed, but also a lot of people were like, this is super modern. This is like the way to, to move forward. And interestingly, what has happened uh, is that like no women have won since they did mm. it. Uh, and then again, I mean, especially in, fi- in film is such another uh, subject, of course, because that has so much to do with like who is getting the roles, who is writing, you know. Right, so I'm not right. saying it's an exact translation but i'm just saying that was one of the things that did pop up in my head of an example of someone has done this i think with the absolute best intentions mm-hmm. uh, and then it, it kind of had become one thing that isn't super helpful for the scene maybe or for you know female identifying <laughs> actors um, but also what they did was they took away one prize so like mm-hmm. instead of having two best you know lead roles they only have one and again, with that, like, that's also interesting since I, I guess um, kind of award winning is a quite big deal in someone's career. So it's like, that's my, my only kind of personal just opinion <laughs> or, like, or like just, oh, yeah, that's something to maybe consider. But yeah, overall, I think it was a, a kind of smart move for them, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'd also be lying if I said that I didn't want the chance to become, you know, or to have like the king of boylesque oh, yeah, um, like and be able to add that to my resume or, you know, to use that as a, um, uh, as a publicity to help me get booked. Um, besides just loving to perform, that was always one of the reasons why I wanted to ideally win that role is yeah. to use it as, you know, promotional stuff for my career. But, um, you know, again, I think... But the, that's also to say, like, it just always made sense for me. It, it's always made sense for how I identify with my gender, both on and off stage. And I think, you know, again, it gets tricky when there are so many amazing performers where it's like, well, I mean, why do they have to choose to, you know, at the end of the day, pretty narrow definitions of where their work can fit under? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also, can I, so I've been secretly, I only just for a little bit, but I was like, who the hell was that guy from the 19th century? His name was Henry E. Dixie, and he was kind of like this muscle man, but he would tour and he would pose. So I'm only saying that because, like, this is another example of a male performer who was a part of these shows um, and wasn't necessarily a strip teaser, but, you know, he would go out on stage in, like, a very well-placed fig leaf and, like, flex Mm -hmm. and, you know... Um, there's also Eugene Sandow. Um, So, anyway, like, both of these um, people are, I think, again, a part of this... um, this legacy of male performers, um, which, when you cobble it all together, is what boylesque is to me. That's nice. I'm going to look look up those names. And also, like for me, coming from Europe, I mean, burlesque is is a very um, like the word burlesque and the traditional burlesque, the burlesque that is kind of presented at the Burlesque Hall of Fame is a very American kind of wholesome, you know, American tradition. 
but obviously like burlesque is bigger than that and tra- like mm-hmm. the history is so much bigger than that or or you know longer than than that and as a european european it's very um i look a lot to you know weimar the weimar era of performance art and it wasn't necessarily striptease in in that mm-hmm. sense but yeah there were so many performance artists female and male that did very sexual things on stage you know with costumes yeah. with yeah like that like posing or or you know shocking or comedy or yeah so it's that to me is very also interesting like of course uh, there's the american tradition which is very very interesting and quite like solid but there is mm-hmm. also you know such a wide i think as performers just to to be able to look at so i didn't mean before to say like oh as a boy less performer you don't have any you know of course oh, as yeah. as all of us you know have um can take things um can i ask about something completely different or yes, different ish um because i'm now uh, a master student you are uh, have been studying for a while and are gonna dive into this phd candidacy soon which is super exciting and um one thing that i've been t- thinking a lot about since since i started my master is this thing of like burlesque within academia mm-hmm. um how do you find yourself as as an active performer like within academia like how do you yeah how yeah. do you situate yourself or that's a great question i found and you know overall like in my mfa program i had a wonderful experience i think what's been interesting to me to be back and both now too, like as an educator um, in colleges, is that even in theater programs where people are, I think in general, very open-minded, people are also, and rightly so, um, careful if not like timid and even a little squeamish around topics of like striptease and the performance of sex, of sensuality. And uh, yeah, so that was interesting, like in my MFA program to kind of like even when I make comments in class, sometimes people look at me like, "What the? What are you talking about?" I'd be like, "Oh, that's not like a thing. <laughs> it's just you know." Like I think some one time I made this comment. It was like something. It's something theatrical, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like you know, like when people go to those workshops about blowjobs or how to give a blowjob." And my class is like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um, which maybe that just says more about me than um, burlesque, but. Yeah, so I guess all that to say, I have yet to see what's going to be like in my PhD program, but um, I don't know if you know Alyssa Kitt. She's also in the same program. Yes. She's farther along. Yeah. Say, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's been a huge inspiration to me because she's very front and center with her burlesque performance, even in her theater classes that she teaches. Yeah. And, you know, I made that the centerpiece of my own proposal. So I, I feel confident that it's... Um, I feel confident to be confident in class about that and to own that part of my life. But what is what has your experience been in your program? Um, well, my experience have been super positive. Um, and I felt very much like just my personal experience has been uh, very positive. And, and uh, I mean, I like the notoriety. Like, I don't have a problem, you know, standing for <laughs> what I do. Mm-hmm. I kind of I like the opposite, just like uh, enjoys that, enjoy, enjoys that. Um, but as a kind of as a as a bigger thing, like burlesque within academia, I've I've had a lot of thoughts about it. Like everything from, and of course I don't know this. This is my um, subjective feelings, but I don't think that I would have got into this program. I mean, you know, certainly not ten years ago, and not mm-hmm. even maybe five years ago, because I I I don't have a artistic education beforehand. I literally 
got in to this artistic kind of research preparational education, like with my work experience, Mm -hmm. which to me felt really, um, uh, I was, I was like very proud of that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it is the first time, uh, I mean, people have, you know, like in other fields, like, um, different types of anthroposophy, you know, have used burlesque maybe in their thesis or things like that. But it is uh, in Sweden the first time someone actually like does burlesque as the as the main practice of their of the thing. Um, That's amazing. This is this is the first time they've had a student like yourself. Like, yeah, using with, burlesque a, with as... the main. Yeah, with as a main burlesque performer. Like I said, I'm not going to say how it is in the rest of Europe. And I'm not going to say that no one has ever talked about burlesque. But like, as I understand mm-hmm. it, it is when I started, you know, 14 years ago, it really was very un... I felt quite unrespected from people sure. overall. And like I said, I don't think there would have been a chance that I would have been kind of invited to these rooms. And now I really am invited to this room and not just that I'm invited and like, you know, here, I actually feel uh, very, like a lot of curiosity, a lot of respect that I wasn't really... I was a little bit nervous about that. I was a bit nervous to have to kind of defend it or, you know, myself. And I've felt the opposite. I felt that people have been very open to it. So, uh, and that's something that I feel is like a shift in at least the Swedish society in terms of like Mm -hmm. academia, not just actual academics, but just overall, like how we as a society look at burlesque. And this, I feel a little bit um, mixed feelings about because overall, I think it's great and I really enjoy it. Obviously, I kind of reap the fruits from it. Uh, But it also is this interesting thing of like burlesque is and has always been this kind of underground, you know, we've kind of, Mm. um, what do you say, like kind of gone under the radar a little bit, like, and that gives us also a huge amount of freedom. I think it's super exciting and, and I, I have loved it and I kind of like to continue in some way, but I'm also this, like, I'm also a little bit kind of wary of like, do we want burlesque to be like like circus have done a similar journey for example of kind of being this mm. you know super amazing art form but still for many many years was this kind of quite underground or you know they they did their thing and now it's a whole it's a whole um department you know like it's it really is a it's an academic form and not that i say that i think that will happen to burlesque but it still is interesting to kind of put in burlesque mm. uh, and see what happens with it so yeah i feel um it's been really um, interesting and uh, and also like I'm trying to figure out like where does burlesque fit in academia, um, at least like within my context. So, yeah. I, and, and like you were saying, you were saying Alyssa Kitt, which is this Australian performer that is uh, a PhD candidate in New York. Uh, I don't know her personally, but yeah, she has been an in- inspiration because I like have seen that she's doing that. So it's kind of like nice, you know, burlesque is not such a huge community, even though you don't know people personally, you can kind of follow their, you know, yourself yeah. as well, like this kind of journey. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, yeah, I, it will be interesting to see. I think, um, you know, I was thinking just in terms of, of burlesque, if and when it will ever become more of a commercial form in the US. And, you know, like we have Drag Race, right? Which is, you know, especially in the US, just like completely transformed. Um, and again, speaking as someone who's not a drag queen, but uh, like from my own observations, just transformed how the form is received. Yeah. Um, you know, many of the RuPaul's drag queens have gone out. I mean, you know, like Jinx Monsoon is on Broadway and Trixie Mattel has all these companies and I actually don't think burlesque will. Like, I don't think we'll have, you know, 
so and so's burlesque race. Um, partly because I just think you know, that our own, I think we get in our own way when it comes to the kind of taboos and you know sexual norms. As much as I want everyone to be making money and and doing well, I think in a way that is good because there is something that is not taboo, but I think like titillating and racy and exciting about burlesque um, and all the lesks. And, uh, and you know, same with academia too. Like, I think it's really interesting and I know I'm interested in exploring how to apply performance theory to this form, but I think burlesque is always kind of elusive as well, that it's always... It's constantly adapting and reframing itself for whatever, you know, kind of standards we're living under. And so it's, um, yeah, it's like shape-shifting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with <laughs> everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but totally. But it is interesting because like also, yeah, I, yeah, this thing of like, that would be great if there were more kind of actual career opportunities, you know, more money for, yeah. <laughs> for us and for our friends. But it is interesting. I, I kind of just observing like the, the more mainstream shows, they are really good. Like, I mean, they are fantastic performers in them. You know, they're great. My personal feeling is that it kind of has a lack of daringness. This can this kind of I mean, I'm not saying they are not queer because I think there's a lot of queer performers in it. But but, you know, these actual queer spaces of kind of underground resistance, if, if you will, mm -hmm. like there's there's not. Um, uh, enough, <laughs> in my own opinion, resistance maybe to like to kind of um, question norms or whatever. It becomes the norm, and it's really nice. Um, and I think that there's room for all kinds of shows, so it's not a problem to mm -hmm. have these. But it's just interesting, like if everything would be like that, or if if it would be very difficult to to do uh, more underground things. I think that that, that would really uh, lose some of its uh, some of the qualities that that we do have like as a as a form yeah for sure and i think that also kind of ties back into our our earlier conversation too just about how how we frame burlesque or boylesque or whatever kind of like performance of gender that we're doing you know both solely as performers and as producers and um that those are also acts of resistance you know um especially now so yeah i think that makes me actually even more excited just about burlesque call fame and you know things that are happening around that but yeah no yeah. for sure yeah there's so many things <laughs> we can yeah. uh, talk about it's it's so uh interesting and it's really nice yeah having like a fellow <laughs> academic voice in this one thing we could just touch a little bit uh before we we end um that you brought up to me was this thing of like aging within burlesque mm -hmm. and kind of reassessing career and life goals and like where what are your thoughts on that because you've been doing this for a while and like you also like you have this career like you're doing playwright like you have had a very kind of interesting career but like also where it takes you do you have any thoughts or yeah i definitely do um and again you know for myself i think pursuing my phd was was part of me both wanting to take my performance career thus far um, into a different direction and also 
partly acknowledging, not that I think a PhD is easier or any kind of thing like that, but just that, um, you know, the kind of lifestyle I was comfortable living in my 20s, which was very much more freelance. And, um, you know, if I'm just being candid, like was supported a lot through sex work as well as performing in nightlife. I was getting tired of it and burnt out on it, you know, and um like sometimes I think, well, if I had gotten into like a show in Vegas, like some of my friends, or if I had gotten on to like a Virgin Atlantic cruise or something like that, you know, like what would my life be like now? And I um I don't say that uh so that it has any regrets either, because I think there's a part of me I know that is really interested in this academic work as well, you know. So I think if anything, like for me, aging and burlesque is just also like listening to what feels like the calling for me. And for a while, the calling felt like it was to constantly be pursuing gigs and be producing. And now it's more, uh, now it's more about like research and, um, and using that research as inspiration on stage, but also taking more time with how I create numbers for stages and go back and like re-choreograph and re-costume older numbers. Yeah. And not seeing that as, and also like not seeing that as like the second best option, you know, like I think especially with social media um, and again with like the clamor for everyone to like want to be king or want to be queen or want to be, you know, the, this of that, like it can get, uh, really depressing sometimes, but it's, I don't know, I guess I, I am starting to actually like really believe what I used to say, which is that if you're on stage, then like you're doing a great job, you know? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. Is, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Also, like what I, I believe what I used to, to say, yeah. <laughs> like you kind of come, you, you say something or like you have a mantra or whatever, and then you're like, it's a work in progress, isn't it? To actually <laughs> kind of believe in, in what you want yeah. to believe. Yeah, exactly. So uh, how are you, I mean, and how are you finding it? Like you also, I mean, I, I think you have had such an incredible career and um, I also just love being able to uh, touch base and maintain these friendships in burlesque because you just see your friends um, like do so much and like take this form that we've all come to in so many different ways and like like, you know, just totally do something different with it. But yeah, what are, what are your experiences? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it for me, it was really COVID that uh, kind of freaked me out in terms mm. of because uh, I've just like lived life like I've just lived my best life. You know, it's mm -hmm. not perfect. I don't have a lot of money, <laughs> you know, like I don't can't me afford either. a home, you know, like. <laughs> but to me, it really genuinely was perfect, you know, or great. And then COVID happened and you kind of realize that we have no social security. I have no pension. Mm -hmm. Like I own absolutely nothing. Um, so yeah, I don't really know actually, like it, it is. And also like, I mean, I'm not saying this as a gendered way, but it is as a woman getting, you know, I'm, I'm soon 40, you know, all these kind of things. Uh, and yeah, in burlesque, like as a kind of sexual, being or like as a as a half naked being like just more specifically like you know uh it's very it's it, there is starts coming these questions you know will it um mm -hmm. uh, will it work like am i you know good enough all that kind of stuff so it's um yeah i think it's uh it's uh it's um 
tough. I don't have any <laughs> good answers at all. Uh, but I think it, it definitely, this thing of, of kind of taking it, for me, just personally, like taking it, because uh, I've done other stuff as well. I, I don't just do burlesque. Like I did a film. I have done um, some a solo show, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is not like, I think that is a natural progression of being a person that uh, enjoys the performative space. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, and I think that that also adds for me personally, like adds to my burlesque as I believe it does for you. Like you were just expressing, like you kind of, you do research and you take it back to the stage and you, you, you know, you develop and you kind of do storytelling. So I think f- for that, it is, uh, really exciting. Like it's exciting times. And then like more on a kind of, where are we in the scene or like in the world is more depressing <laughs> or, or difficult. So it's, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that, that I haven't asked you or like that you feel like you want to add to this? Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess we could definitely like talk for hours. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I feel good. Is there anything you, you all? No, I feel want? very happy about this uh, discussion. I've got a few names and a few uh, inspiring thoughts I will look up. Um, okay. But then I just want to say thank you so much, Chris, for, uh, for um, talking to me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And, um, and I, can't wait. I can't wait to see how this all turns out. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm so thrilled for you and happy for you with all that you have been accomplishing. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah.